over the years, what I've realized is that well-being isn't just these individual elements, it's all of it together. Now I think of well-being as a much more integrated concept where we are not well if the environment isn't well and I am not well if there are people suffering and there are limitations to that in a big way but trying to view wellness as this much greater holistic concept rather than me in this physical body with this mind making sure that I'm doing the best for myself. Welcome to Priorities, the podcast about the things in life that really matter. I'm your host, journalist and coach Lily Silverton, and each week I'll be asking a new interviewee to open up about the things that are important and unimportant to them. What takes first place in their life, what they couldn't care less about, and what they'd like to work on a little bit more. Will you agree with their priorities? Will they make you reevaluate your own? Let's find out. My guest today is author, wellness advocate, and yoga teacher, Annie Clark. Annie is the creator of the hugely successful blog and brand, Mind Body Bowl, which she set up following a period of illness in 2012. Using a holistic and off-the-mat approach to yoga, Annie teaches and runs retreats across the world. While these are on hold for now, in January, Annie, before anyone had even really heard the word lockdown, launched her online yoga studio, The Practice, with the aim of making her teachings more accessible to all. Along with her partner, Will, Annie also co-hosts a brilliant podcast, Can We Just Ask?, which takes a bite-sized but in-depth look into social and environmental issues. Welcome, Annie. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Really good, thanks. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. It's lovely to um to have you here. My first question is where are you at right now this minute on a scale of one to ten? How are you feeling? Oh, I've just been sitting in the sunshine, so I'd have to say a pretty solid eight. <laughs> There's nothing that charges me up like the sunshine and I just stole a few minutes. So uh, yeah, I feel very, very lucky for that. <laughs> Do you tan easily? Do you wear lots of sun cream or are you one of those people who can sit outside and happily be in the sun for a while? So I um, grew up not wearing very much sun cream because I my skin didn't tend to burn. Um, and then about Five or six years ago, I realised that I was probably sending myself on a far, you know, a fast route to aging, um, and that I should probably look after my skin generally. Um, and so now I, I like to get a little bit of sun um, without cream on, but I'm definitely now a bit of a religious, religious sun creamer, um, and found some really beautiful natural ones that I really enjoy. So yeah, um, somewhere somewhere in between, I, I tan, but I try and still look after my skin. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to kick off with your first priority, which for me, you've said is friends. Tell me a little bit about that. So I have some wonderful friends and I've been thinking a lot about my relationships over the last couple of years and how those have shifted and um the I've been incredibly fortunate that through um actually through the last probably five or six years I've made some really really wonderful uh newer friends um and have also managed to maintain the friendships that I grew up with. Um, But what I've really noticed is how I have different friends who 
with each of my sort of different friends, I have different relationships. And so, um, I've really enjoy nurturing the different elements of those friendships. So I have the friends that I will speak to on the phone. I'll have friends that I only see a couple of times a year and I'll have friends that we're in sort of daily communication with when I'm not being useless on my phone. Um, and But one of my priorities, which has, unfortunately, I'm going to dive in and mention lockdown so early on, but one of the things that lockdown has um, sort of reiterated for me is how um, deep rooted those friendships are and that we don't actually have to always be doing things together and um speaking to one another all of the time, but actually having really intentional conversations and setting aside um, really wonderful time, um, dedicated time together is so much more valuable. And so one of my priorities at the moment is to really focus on that intentional time. So not over committing, not saying yes to all the little bits and bobs, but just to really take um, time to, to, enjoy and support and love and be loved by by the wonderful friends that I have in my life so yeah that's that's one of my priorities at the moment and and as we um sort of have a little bit more freedom to see one another uh, I really didn't want to get swept up into that saying yes to everything um and then having to either cancel or try and rush off to different places um so just really carrying the pace of of what the last couple of months has allowed you know me to move at and carry that into the way that I um spend time with people I think what's your perfect friendship date so I've definitely realized that being in smaller groups or on a one-to-one um in a one-to-one situation is my ideal um we we actually spent uh some time once once we were allowed to do so we uh were very lucky and managed to to drive across to france a couple of weeks ago and um and then when when um when we were allowed to do so, my uh, friends decided to join and we had some like really, really um, extended time with people. And I think actually it doesn't matter what we're doing. It's just that extended time. And it meant that we did things together that we wouldn't normally do if we were just meeting for brunch. So even if it was just sort of pottering around the house or playing sport or going you know going for a run or doing yoga or just sitting and having a longer meal rather than that kind of hour that you can catch for brunch with people I think it doesn't really matter what we're doing but just not clock watching anything that you know anything that we can do together where we don't have to watch our phones or our watches I think makes a huge difference it's definitely um definitely again what I'm trying to make space for (laughs) Mm. yeah giving people and giving yourself people time rather than little snippets of yourself or getting tiny snippets of them yeah and I think it allows you know even with your closest friends when I certainly find that um when we're seeing each other for shorter periods of time you still 
default into this sort of surface level conversation. And a group of my friends, we realized that we, what we were doing when we'd meet up for dinner is that everyone would do like a one line update and you just sort of relay your sort of news or lack of news in one line, because that was all there was time for around the table. Um, And we'd gone for ages without any sort of depth to our conversations. (laughs) And so I think just having um, the time to move beyond that and actually really um, see how someone's doing and and what you can do to be a good friend for them if that's what they need or to have fun or to just talk about things that matter to you um, beyond kind of how work's going and and what you had for breakfast you know? <laughs> mm, yeah completely I think it also gets you out of that as you say the one-liner thing is often about achievements or like what you've been doing or what you haven't done so there's a lot of that energy around short catch-ups whereby as you say when you can spend a bit more time with someone you're actually connecting with them and seeing what's going on rather than listening to the highlights or giving them your highlights that maybe you then realize they didn't want to hear because something's going on for them that that's not a very useful highlight to get right now or or the other way around. So actually one of the things that I noticed about uh, the difference between my friends who, you know, my older friends, um, friends that I've had since childhood and those that I've met in, um, in sort of more recent years is, is that element actually about the achievement thing. Because we grew up the, you know, the, the, those of us that grew up together, school was for us certainly about achieving in, in lots of ways, even if we didn't realize it at the time. Whereas that isn't something that comes into my kind of adult relationships, those that have been more recent. So it's a really interesting kind of nuance between those different friendships. Um, and so it's certainly something that I've sort of learned through, um, the relationships in, in later years that I'm then using using to slightly repattern the the friendships and the relationships with those that I love so so dearly and have done for so many years but to ensure that we sort of connect over different things mm. you're, you're completely right about that difference as well between newer friendships and older friendships I guess because when you've grown up with people especially if you've been at school with them you have your pattern set with them to some extent and they see you as 12 or younger or whatever age you were when you met them and and vice versa and you think you know each other already so there's there's none of that explaining your childhood or explaining what you did in your early 20s or whatever it is because you've you kind of know it ish whereby when you make friendships when you're a little bit older often you do go straight into quite a deep emotional level because you're getting to know each other it's like a it can be like a first date yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a really interesting realisation to have, but actually one that I think has been really um, fruitful from both, you know, for for all of those different relationships, because there's so many things that I've learned from my older friendships that I bring into my new ones, but then also the other way around. I think it's... Um, we we think about relationships and how we have to sort of work at relationships. I don't think friendships ever fall... Well, in the way that we talk about them, friendships don't really fall into that category. So you would expect your friends to talk about working at their relationships with their partner, perhaps. But actually, friendship takes a lot of work. The idea that we're all going to evolve in our lives at the same rate and the same pace and in the same direction is 
in most cases quite unrealistic. And so the I, I'm definitely finding that adapting to um, or adapting our friendships as we grow and get older and and change and our priorities shift is um yeah it takes it takes work but it's you know of course rewarding and worth every moment of effort so yeah that's certainly why it's a a priority for me it's a great priority as you say it does you need to put the effort in like with anything yeah definitely okay let's come on to your next priority which is well-being quite a buzzword thrown around I use it myself in relation to my work (laughs) and lots of strange connotations I'll say alongside it tell me what is well-being to you Annie so it's funny that you said that around the buzzwords because and I hoped we'd have the opportunity to discuss it because when I put it down on paper as a priority um I I guess five, six, seven years ago, what I would have meant by that would be very, very different to now. And I think actually the way it would be interpreted would also have been very different to now. Um, But wellbeing has always been a priority for me in my adult life and it's some but it's something that has shifted massively so what I knew of well-being um in my early 20s was um you know the well-being industry in London just starting to kick off which is probably the first time you know where we originally um probably crossed paths somewhere along the way that but it all being about this ultimate um, well-being, this fo- focus on everything that we're putting in our bodies and how we, you know, it, it was it was fashionable, um, and and to an extent, of course, it still is. But I think I saw it in a much more um, superficial light. So I came to well-being because I was having a lot of digestive issues and energy problems, as as many many people do, and I was lucky enough to be able to. Use use different tools such as my diet and exercise and practices like yoga um, to really support my healing from that. But then as I've progressed through that or moved through that over the years, what I've realized is that well-being isn't just that kind of individual, these individual elements, it's all of it together. And actually, while it seems like a very long time ago that I wrote my book, when I look back at that, um, I looked at three different pillars of it being your mind, your body and, and nutrition, how we fuel our body. Um, but now I look at it as one step further because that was very personal and it was all about, you know, how I had managed to support myself and encouraging other people's to do that. Now I think of well-being as a much more integrated, um, uh, concept where it is, you know, we are not well if the environment isn't well, and I am not well if there are people suffering. And, um, you know, there are limitations to that in a big way, but trying to view wellness as this much, much greater holistic concept rather than just me in, in this physical body with this mind, making sure that I'm doing the best for myself is looking at well-being as this, um, huge interconnected web of all, all life. And yeah, so taking a much, much, uh, bigger challenge, <laughs> I but couldn't... it's something, 
Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It's um, it's complicated as well. Well-being is complicated. Mm. There's so many factors involved. It's environmental, it's intellectual, it's social, it's friendships. Yeah, So much that goes into it. And this idea that it can be reduced to a green juice and a yoga class is very unfair as well, because you see a lot yeah. of people who who go for those things, trying to find a sense of well-being or balance or happiness and um, find quite the opposite because totally. they realize that they get to that place and and they've hung on to a unstable life raft. Yeah, you've articulated that really beautifully rather than my bumbling around it. But, <laughs> it I, um, but, I, but I think that's exactly it. And I think you can hold on, you you know, you might start on by holding on to the concept of the, the green juice and the, you know, whatever it might be that you've been sold as the lifestyle choices that will support your well-being. Um, but when we dive a little bit deeper, and this is where I feel like I've been really heavily supported by my explorations of the practice of yoga, is that really it isn't it isn't individual nothing is individual and so how can we expect our well-being to be fully individual you know we can take responsibility for ourselves but and you know we have to start i believe we have to start at home um but i think it would be short-sighted particularly as somebody that shares um yoga and well-being and 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 is in this conversation a lot it would be irresponsible to say that that was enough um and that isn't something that I necessarily would have realized sort of six seven years ago whenever whenever that might have been yeah um Mm. so so that's what I mean by the priority of well-being and it would have been very easily to easy to try and break that down to sustainability or social justice or um all of these things, but it would be untrue to say that they are my individually, my full focus and trying to really work out how to, um, support the collective holistic growth and progress. And I think that takes looking at all of these different, um, limbs basically. Yeah, completely. It's a, it's a 360 approach. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Not that we have anything, either of us, by the way, against a green juice or a yoga class, obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's just one of the elements that builds into what I now believe that well-being can be. I think another thing with the well-being identity, and I'm I'm sure even more so yourself, having been very involved in the industry early on with your blog with Mind Body Bowl would have experienced this, that many, many people who sell themselves as well-being um influencers um or pioneers are not actually very well and this image of well-being as someone who looks a certain way whose body looks a certain way whose skin looks a certain way and so on is often very far removed from what true well-being is because i know lots of people who are what you would consider in a near perfect state of well-being but don't look it according to how what we think of as well-being or what the advertising world thinks of as well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really good point. And the the problem is, is that wellness looks different for everybody when we, when we do take Mm. it back to the individual. And I think one of the things that I found really challenging at the beginning of my journey towards, or my first sort of dipping my toes into pursuing, um, um, my own well-being 
was that I was trying to sort of copy and paste and and look around and see what other people were doing and apply it to my myself. And there's all these wonderful plans and programs and uh, they do so much to support one and, you know, to support so many different people. Um, but we are also functioning as completely different individuals in many ways. And so I think there's a place for all of that. Um, but the danger, I guess, is that we attach too much to what we think is right for our well-being without really using that intuition or being guided by um, people who really understand it. And the danger is that we just kind of fix ourselves to the idea of what well-being looks like and run with it without stopping to check in and go, is this, is this working for me? Does this suit me? What, you know, how can I support myself more fully? Um, and, you know, we're incredibly lucky to be so well connected, but the danger of that is that, um, you know, we, we take things on because we see them, uh, being published wherever and don't necessarily always stop to check that that's the right choice for us. Um, and I really, believe that well-being should empower people to to really understand how to support themselves in all areas of their lives whether that's their physical well-being their mental well-being their relationships their you know their um taking their practices beyond themselves and into the world around them you know it should be empowering and if we sleepwalk into this ideal of well-being then yeah the chances are um it's not going to suit everybody and yeah does that so, make sense yeah absolutely so well-being for you has changed a huge amount over mm. the years and I know that I know how important social justice and the environment and those areas have been for you and how much you've started working in them within them and we connected last year over yeah. um, XR when I was co-programming one of the bridges what are you doing at the moment what's really coming up for you at the moment as an area to focus on or put your energy towards I know that you do a lot <laughs> um so I think right now to be really really present is that in in what I think is needed and what I am being challenged by is I'm a white able-bodied um middle-class yoga teacher. I'm very lucky to have been brought up in a relatively equal society and, you know, being, uh, living in the UK since, since birth. And I have always tried to position the, the, my teaching as accessible, but what I've been really, um, challenged by at the moment is is really what whether or not I'm meeting that intention so um where am I able to um do some work to really ensure that what my intention is with with the way that I share my practice um whether that is meeting that is being met by my actions or whether um 
I've got some work to do. And of course, the answer is that I've got a lot of work to do. Um, and actually, I had a, I know that I'm not going to articulate this as, as well as I did by accident when I was speaking to a friend of mine last week. <laughs> um, but we were talking about um, sort of showing up on social media because one of, I, I felt hugely resistant um, to during the the um, peak of the uh, Black Lives Matter wave that we saw spread across sort of all media. Um, I, I'm a, when I want to do the work, I like to step away and I like to do that quietly and personally and really challenge myself. Um, but so I sort of retreated from being involved in the conversation um, not because I didn't want to, but because I needed to really do some work. Uh, but what I realized as I, with, with that and with some other conversations that have been going on over, you know, there's the most incredible movements happening at the moment. And um, what I realized is that by stepping back and doing the work for myself, that was, that was one thing. But I started to move into that space of sort of fear of showing up imperfectly mm. and and the problem with that is that doing nothing doesn't help anyone and so I needed to move beyond the fear of imperfection or getting anything wrong or not doing the you know the absolute best um and instead show up and fight for the causes that, that I believe in and, and enable conversations to happen. Um, but rather than resisting where things got sticky, you know, there's so much, but if we think about something like social media, if there is challenge on there, then the, but how we respond to that challenge is where we grow. And so if I'm not putting myself in the situation where I'm willing to be challenged, then I'm stunting my own growth. And as somebody, you know, with a public profile to, to a certain degree, running away doesn't, doesn't support anyone. And it doesn't support the growth of myself nor anybody else. And so what I could do is just start showing up. And in showing up, it will inevitably be imperfect. But the way that I respond to challenges and sticky bits and the bits that I get wrong is where I'm able to contribute to a positive future. And I had, once I had that realization, I felt much more empowered about the way that I can show up because I was like, no one, no one needs to hear anything from me. My voice has been heard for a long time. Voices like mine have been heard for a very long time. No one needs to hear from me. Um, but running away didn't seem like the right thing to do. So right now I'm just really trying to challenge myself to learn from conversation. And um, my boyfriend, Will, and I had a, um, have a podcast, a platform called Can We Just Ask? And um, the whole point of that podcast was to start conversations that matter. And I was like, wait, this is, this is, what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in these conversations. Now I have an opportunity to, to learn from all these people who are willing to 
show up and share and um this is a really beautiful opportunity to do, do just that. So why waste it by running away and um, tucking yourself away just for fear of getting it wrong? Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of what I'm focusing on rather than a specific project that I can take ownership of. It's really just trying to um, to to learn and grow and to really hold myself accountable, um, to all of that, because I can't truly claim to live my, my practice if, if I'm not living it in the difficult bits. Um, Mm. so, so that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to do. And, um, yeah, it's not my time to sell anything off the back of it. It's just my time to be, to be learning and growing, I think. Hmm. I think that's crucial. It's the not selling anything off the back of it. It's showing up with the intention of the, I mean, one of the biggest lessons of yoga, right? Being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Getting into those sticky places, getting into those places in which you're not seeking approval or trying to succeed, but rather just showing up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's releasing, I am historically one of my biggest sort of shadows has been defensiveness so I sort of and it comes I'm so sure from what we touched on earlier about that sort of achievement thing and the idea of someone sort of questioning um your achievement or your position on something my sort of default pattern has always been defensiveness and it's something I've worked really really hard over the you know the years that I've had the awareness to, to realize it, to, to move beyond. Um, and actually when you drop, when you drop that need for approval or to defend yourself and you're really open to being corrected and to being vulnerable and, um, yeah, just show showing up without, without, any, without any other intention than to, to show up and, and give, give energy and commitment to something then it's really powerful and um Mm. I think we we are in a world where we I feel like we need to always be we're always pushed to be sort of selling the next thing or having a plan about what's next and actually sometimes to just be in something and really really just feel it out and um and put the work in but also just kind of go with it and run with it however uncomfortable it might be I think is just um really powerful so giving giving space for that and permission for that I think is um is valuable Mm, completely completely and also that need for approval is so limiting at the end of the day yeah totally so restrictive I love sleep Seriously, it's one of my biggest priorities and I'm a different and much improved person when I get my full eight hours. So I'm incredibly excited that this season of priorities is sponsored by Sleep Siren, an independent lifestyle brand fueled by a passion for health, wellness and great sleep. Sleep Siren brings together science, education and luxurious products to offer meaningful support to busy people who could sleep a little or a lot better. As the mother of a toddler and having suffered from insomnia on and off my entire life, I know firsthand how helpful Sleep Siren can be at identifying and covering your sleep needs. Whether you're looking to read an expert article on the latest sleep science, treat yourself to some insanely soft silk pajamas, or simply find a luxurious eye mask, Sleep Siren have everything you need to sleep well tonight. If you would like to improve your sleep, 
I'd love for you to have the same experience as me with Sleep Zone. So they're offering 20% off with the code PRIORITY20. Check them out on www.sleepsiren.com. Thank you to Sleep Siren. Nutrition is a priority for me, and I know that the more plants I eat, the better I feel. However, with a busy life, I, like you I'm sure, don't always manage to get my daily quota of greens. So I'm very happy that this season of priorities is sponsored by Foga, a new brand that makes plant shakes, pre-portioned blends of freeze-dried fruit and veg that you simply shake up with water or milk to create a restaurant standard smoothie at home. I'm not really into protein shakes or powders. However, these are genuinely amazing. They're so easy and delicious. Right now, I'm digging the ginger and greens combination, and my daughter is a big fan of berries and cinnamon. They contain zero extra sugars or chemicals, through freeze drying, have all the nutrients locked in, and they're whole plant, meaning they have all the fiber of fresh fruit and veg. It's really the lazy person's dream. If you're looking to easily and affordably prioritize your nourishment, then I'd love to find out if you enjoy Foga as much as I do. They're offering £5 off your first box with the code PRIORITIES. Check them out on www.foga.co. That's F-O-G-A. Thank you to Foga. Okay, so your your final priority is work, which we've already started touching on. So you started off in 2012, 2013 with Mind Body Bowl. I think so. I kind of think it's all a bit of a blur, but it was about then. (laughs) And your work has changed a lot since then. Yeah, hugely. Um, So I came into the space through, really through food and then realised that sort of this concept of well-being started to open up a little for me and then I'm rambling around. And um, in 2015, I um was uh made redundant from a really really wonderful job that I loved so much um having just sort of thought oh I'm gonna I can't really see myself being here for a really long time um and at the time it felt like oh like how am I possibly gonna figure out what I'm gonna do so as I um started to run out of savings. I was like, right, I'm going to take the last possible opportunity to go and do a yoga teacher training just before I come back and find a proper job. Um, and I'm the biggest cliche in the world, but the first, the first day on, on that course, it was the first time I really felt a sense of being in the right place. And I think I'd realized that I'd been on a pathway that didn't, that I just was doing what I thought I needed to do for so long. And I didn't really mind where it was going to go. I just was like this, I like this feeling. I really like this feeling (laughs) of feeling like this is right. Um, and so I kind of just, just followed it and, um, and it's led me, uh, you know, down a windy a windy road to where I am now but um uh I've been you know, really focusing on um on sharing yoga in different ways and um at the beginning of this year I launched an online studio and the idea with the practice um it's the name of the studio was to open up the accessibility to um a yoga practice um I found that so many people were struggling for either time, money, or um, just purely geography um, and not being near a teacher that they loved or or not having access to a studio. 
Um, and so we, we created the practice as a way to sort of, to open up that accessibility and, um, and then of course COVID happened and I was incredibly fortunate that I already had an online studio, but, um, I also suddenly lost my sort of USP <laughs> because everybody, um, everybody suddenly overnight managed to get themselves online, which I couldn't get my head around because it took me about 18 months to set up the studio. <laughs> I was like, how did everyone learn this so quickly? Um, but, but it was, but it's really brilliant because it has allowed me to stay connected to people during this time, but it's also allowed me, allowed me the space to focus on other things. So I have a, a course called The Art of Holding Space. And I had been and had the idea for that for the last sort of two years maybe, but never sat down to write it. Um, and so within sort of a few weeks of of being at home, I'd managed to to write the course and and I'm now sort of halfway through the second the second group on the course which is amazing and feel so lucky to be able to be deepening the connections that you know building with these communities and um and in in the place of retreats which were a big part of of what um what I do um which are obviously off the cards for the for the moment um it's really lovely to have been able to find other ways to connect with people and keep sharing and um keep challenging the way that we um the way that we show up and you know as I said a moment ago thinking about making yoga accessible or actually with the art of holding space what we keep exploring is what that accessibility really means and um you know all the 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 really important conversations that have been going on about the whitewashing of the wellness industry like what we can really do to um to actually move into a um move to an accessible um space make the space more accessible yeah um, so I'm, I'm again being challenged to to pivot like the rest of the world but in a way that's actually allowed me to kind of um find some things that I've really wanted to do for a long time and so um yeah at the moment it's a priority to just run with that and 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 enjoy the the twists and turns again that I didn't quite expect as none of us did but just um just to lean into them and let them take me wherever they're taking me (laughs) flexible off the mat not just on the mat that's the thing yeah definitely your home and work life are very intertwined and were even before lockdown you have your own brand you work with your partner your boyfriend will Mm. how do you maintain balance with that what are your hard and fast rules um if you have any so we do um some of them have slipped over the last couple of weeks actually um will pulled me up on um my phone usage today um i had a period of being really really strict about when i was on my on my phone or my laptop um and sort of shutting that um as early as possible in the day, basically. And I've sort of let it, I've uh, let that slip a little bit, but that's kind of, so I guess that's a big, big part of it. My relationship with technology. Um, and when I, when I switch on and when I switch off, um, 
I also um, try to, it's interesting at the moment because we have quite an open plan space at home. Um, And this, this morning, actually, I had a photo shoot and I realized it was the first bit of work that I've done outside of my home in, in so long. And, um, usually that's one way that I try to separate it. So if, if I can get out the house to do my work, I'll do it. Or if I'm working at home, I try to only do that. If no, if, if Will's not here or my cousin lives with us as well at the moment, if she's not in just to try and have that separation that, you know, when other people are here, it's a home space. Um, we use we do use our our living room for filming and things so i try to be really good at always sort of putting things away and just making the space an office when it needs to be an office and um you know a home the rest of the time um but it's as as everything it's been really challenged lately and so the the boundaries have have blurred a little bit but um as a if we can move beyond the exception of the last couple of weeks i think the things for me are yeah technology and and creating the sort of physical environment and wherever possible getting out the house to do my work um because it's so lovely to have a to have a home that you can actually step into like actually physically crossing crossing the threshold of the door to come home I find really powerful whereas if I'm just sat here working then it sort of rolls into the evening and you don't get that same distinction um and I have definitely got a lot better at it, at it um, and committing to my weekends and that kind of thing. So I now pretty much don't work at the weekends most of the time. <laughs> Whereas I used to just like, didn't, you know, didn't even know what day it was. I'd just carry on and be on, be on if I wasn't teaching, I'd be on my laptop and it just, yeah realize that you don't ever take a break which I think when you're working for yourself is very easy to do Mm, it's so important Mm. do you find the same yeah for sure for sure I um obviously I write quite a lot from home and before lockdown I'd be out and I'd work from you know wherever which I found very helpful but a lot of my work is done from home full stop and it always has been because I've always been a freelancer pretty much even when I was Mm. in magazines I was still technically a freelancer so I think I'm so used to it that I don't really know anything else Mm. but I do like getting out the house and working out the house and I miss Mm. I miss running workshops I miss seeing clients outside the house rather than on zoom and all of that everything that goes along with it and I'm very thankful that I'm able to keep working. Yeah, and I I, I think it's an interesting thing because there's sort of pro, there's pros and cons as, as with everything. But the I I certainly found it quite cyclical in terms of like I'd go for a little while being like, well, that's, this is actually a really wonderful way to work, and then I'd be like, oh, this is actually quite an exhausting way to work, and then you know I sort of. 
I don't think I opened my diary for about six weeks. Um, and, (laughs) and, but kind of then it was like, well, if something comes up, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. I can just do it. So I, you know, would have perhaps less on or the flexibility because I wasn't running around and traveling everywhere. So, um, I think that's why, why the sort of the line started blurring to be honest. But, um, but yeah, I think having some teaching my first my first in-person class in the park the weekend and I can't wait to actually just be with other people um I'll probably get home feeling absolutely exhausted no <laughs> you'll right be now, very energized yeah you'll I be energized really excited for it. <laughs> and you did just say you don't work on the weekends anymore but we'll we'll um yeah that's we'll like go, why we'll I said it's quite, that. quietly <laughs> <laughs> I'm making an exception because the sun's shining <laughs> yeah it's a good exception um Annie what's an area or something that's not a priority for you um So something that I have realized I'm quite resistant to, but that I'm quite happy to resist is the idea of competition and comparison. And it's something that I feel like we are so exposed to and it's very, very easy to get into the space of like of looking around, particularly with what I do for work and, 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 everything that we can see on social media, it could be very, very easy to be constantly um, criticizing myself for not doing enough or, um, you know, I remember feeling like I'd absolutely sort of nailed my work-life balance when I was like, finally got myself to working Monday to Friday and then decided that I would also give myself uh, Wednesday afternoons off um, because I realized that I compact you know, compact, compact, realized that I was getting more done in, uh, in the time that I was working than when I was spreading it out over a longer period of time. And so, you know, taking time to really support myself and my self-care was, you know, Wednesday afternoons were going to be for that. And there was no obligation to, to make any social plans because most of uh, my friends were working. And then I remember seeing some people probably on Instagram or talking to somebody somewhere and they were saying how their hours were crazy and they were working so hard to get projects off the ground and this and that. And I started to think, oh, maybe I'm not doing enough. And I was like, I've literally spent the last year and a half trying to get myself to the point where I have this freedom to choose my hours. And now that I've done it, I'm looking around thinking that it's, that it's not enough. I was like, this is what I wanted. Um, and so at that point I was like, you just have to let go because, you know, focus on what it is that you want to manifest and what you want to have in your life and, you know, be inspired by what other people are doing and be inspired by other people's work ethics or commitments to things, but you don't have to take it all all on and you certainly don't have to change direction just because someone's doing something differently. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, that's what I lost interest in. It's kind of looking around too much and, um, just trying to keep focused, I think is really, really important. Mm, Definitely. My, uh, my personal, mantra I guess uh, would be stay in your lane mm-hmm. and it's what I say to myself all the time with everything because as you say especially nowadays 
where there's so much out there and it's so easy to see what everyone else is up to and what they're doing and mm. so easy to compare yourself if you start going down that route you start losing what it is that you're doing and as you say Absolutely. you it took a year and a half to carve out some time for yourself and that's so important and to have that work-life balance and then literally in a moment was ready to throw it away which I yeah I very much um, empathize with as well yeah and actually when I think back it was like a year and a half of saying I'm going to make this this happen but it was that was still off the back of probably four years before that of of not ever thinking that that was going to be a possibility so um yeah it's a friend reminded me um of sometimes you get somewhere and you forget how hard you worked for it just remind yourself <laughs> that you worked quite hard for that so don't let it go just because you know because you got distracted um which that's a good friend very good advice yeah it's very good advice <laughs> um finally what's an area that you'd like to improve on what would you like to prioritize more i think actually finding one of the things that I have noticed, and this is very much a recent thing, I don't think it's something that I've struggled with in the past, but at the moment I would like to um, focus on focus. So I talked about sort of stepping back and just being, you know, really open to to learning. And, and actually when you said about sort of staying in your lane, that's a really big part of it. It's like, you know, where where is this something that I need to educate myself and learn about and um and actually what are things that I can that that don't um that aren't either my responsibility or and this isn't in the context of sort of social justice it's more just in terms of the way that I set up my work and the sort of things that I that I want to sort of bring into my business and things um but I think, you know, when we, when we do slip into that comparison space and you think of all of the amazing, amazing, amazing opportunities that we have, um, that, that so many of us have, um, sometimes finding the focus to do one thing really well can be a challenge for me. And I get, I sort of have lots of different ideas on the go at once and, um, one thing that I'm really proud of when, when I launched the practice is that I said, right, I'm going to strip back everything else and I'm just going to focus on this. And what happened is that I created something that I am really proud of. And so harnessing that intention of focus, I know that when I do that, that it supports, you know, a really positive outcome. And so I'm sort of re directing myself towards that focus again but I'd quite like to step back into that space or or get myself into that space um so I don't know whether that's really a a thing that I would like to prioritize more but it's just something that I'm really working to um to find again so that I can put my energy into something that I can be proud of Mm. how are you going to do that what steps are you taking or are you going to take I am um, sort of redefining my boundaries around the way that I'm working, um, really committing to my self-care practices, the things that I know that I need to sort of have in place in order to support that. Um, But also um, going through the sort of things that are sort of on my list um, of 
and and working out what's really authentic because I think I'm never going to find focus in the things that aren't and so I'm I'm working on um so I have the art of holding space which is the course I do at the moment and I'm I'm developing a sort of a a follow-on course from that at the moment that's kind of what I really want to focus on um and so I'm just really trying to get clear on what factors into that and just and and anything that doesn't support that is just let that sort of move to the back burner for now so it's just a process of of um getting clear I think um and then committing (laughs) Mm, yeah this is the what I use the stay in the lane with a lot as well is does this work with what I'm doing yeah or is this just a bit of a distraction that sounds like something nice to do that I would enjoy doing yeah possibly yeah how good are you at staying at saying no um I've got so much better I used to be awful um I I tend to carry a lot of guilt by sort of default so I feel I always want to do um something for somebody else and if I if I can't or or it doesn't work then I feel very guilty um and I realized again when this is you know when you think of boundaries that that was really really poor poorly um considered boundaries and 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 I was really struggled to say no and all it meant was that I just couldn't I'd never did anything um properly um and so I definitely developed the ability to say no actually the more that I kind of understood about myself um I think it felt quite a sort of high concept the idea of like you know are you good at saying no? I'm like, well, it's just a word. But actually, I actually didn't really understand what that meant. Whereas now I have a much um, better relationship with kind of what is um, supportive for myself, for others, and how, um, you know, and how you can say no to something while still being a good person. I think I thought that saying no just meant meant that you were lazy or but actually that often saying no means that you're what's the the quote that's like saying no to something you don't want is saying yes to yourself or I can't there's something that sounds much better than that. Um but it is that thing it's like the more you know the more um able I am to say no the better I am within the things that I say yes to so surely that's a bit of a win-win situation I've learned I've I've learned to get better at that good Annie it's so lovely talking to you you too thank you so much for having me um and I uh yeah feel like I always feel at the end of these that I've just been blabbering on but (laughs) hopefully something in there was was interesting (laughs) thank you so much lovely and you take care if you enjoyed this episode of priorities I'd really appreciate it if you could make it your priority today to hit subscribe and also rate and review as this helps other people find it need a little incentive every month I offer one free 60-minute online coaching session to a listener. All you have to do is hit subscribe, rate, review the podcast, and then email a screenshot of your review to prioritiespodcast at gmail.com. You'll then be added into the ballot for a free one-to-one coaching session with me, 
in which we will help align the priorities of your life. Thank you so much for listening and take care.